Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, everybody. Mike Leon here from the Can We Please Talk podcast. Before this episode taping, obviously the death toll that is taking place at the Surfside condo has risen. Over 64 have passed away in this tragic building collapse and still over 80 people unaccounted for. We taped this episode last week uh, in the hopes of really finding out more information about what's going on on the ground. But we also want to make a quick note. If you want to help the Surfside building collapse victims there's a couple links in our show notes page, whatever audio podcast platform you're listening to us right now. You can donate to the American Red Cross to help out or the food rescue program down in Miami that's helping deliver meals. There's a bunch of links in our show notes page right now. So click on those to help out the victims and the families of the people that have been lost in this building collapse. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Can We Please Talk Podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Severi. Nick, my friend, how are you doing, sir? Back from the uh, vacation break, a little 4th of July uh, celebration. How's everything in the family over there? It was good. It was good. It was just, it was relaxing, man. It's enjoying the summer, not enjoying the heat so much, but um, right. But now the celebration was good. Dude, these fireworks, though, like, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I've said some things on Twitter about it too, but um, but yeah, no, that was a little annoying. My oldest was staying up because you know we got basically mortar blasts. It sounds like Call of Duty outside of my freaking house. So you know, you I'm know the the, the fireworks. You know, unfortunately, over the holiday weekend, you know, somebody passed away. A, a, a Columbus uh, goalie. Never understand uh, this. Passed away from from fireworks being shot in his direction. Unfortunately, Jeez. I mean that's just so crazy. You know, to lose life like that. You know, over the weekend, uh, an awful sports story. If anybody caught that over the weekend, um, 
you know, I don't even know how we can transition because today's topic is something, you know, pretty heavy uh, in terms of we're going to be discussing, you know, the Surfside building collapse and what happened. That topic has been, been talked about for the last couple of weeks since the building Collapsed a few weeks back. Uh, for those of you who don't know the area, Surfside's a you know a little bit of like a mini town on Miami Beach, just north of uh, in the '80s on Collins. Uh, the building has two towers over there, over on 88th and Collins. Um, I used to live in the area actually on 80th and Collins, just a little bit south from there, about about eight or nine blocks from there. Um, so know the area pretty well, and you know <clears throat> there's so much to this building collapse. We really wanted to talk about. You know, th- there were some warnings about the structural damage and the building prior to that just kind of fell on deaf ears uh, as recently as the week of, you know, the, the condo uh, manager was trying to, you know, get some signatures about, you know, hey, we need to we need to pay for to have some proper research done on this building. So it's just such a tragic situation. So uh, Bianca Ocasio is going to be joining us from the Miami Herald, her and her team down there at the Miami Herald have been doing a fantastic job covering this story, um, really giving a better perspective on what's happened. And a lot of the stuff has been used as well by the national media. Nick, I know on our last episode that uh, we kind of teased about this a little bit because of the sensitivities of it, there's still, you know, search and rescue effort undergoing, uh, you know, they, they took down the other tower, the remnants of the remainder of the tower so they can continue the search and rescue efforts. And obviously with that, there's been some other lives, uh, there's been lives lost that were found, you know, because of the uh, taking down the other building. And, and I know we, we, we touched about it about the other episode about infrastructure and, and this is another example, but give me some quick thoughts on your end, uh, when you saw the building collapse? Yeah, I mean, there's two levels to this. One is, you know, first and foremost, we're talking about a tragedy to a local community. You know, I think about, um, you know, it's interesting that you and I are doing this show, or particularly this episode. Like, for you, there's a more of a personal connection to this, you know, living so close by. So, like, for you in this conversation, you know, there's there's that reflection of, like, you know people, or you know of people, like, this is feels different. This feels personal to me, you know, as someone on the outside, it's just trying to understand, you know, what is the impact of the community, you know, from a, like, just from the building standpoint, how did we get here? Like, there's a little history to obviously understand here. But at the same time, you know, we have yet another building that does crumble. And what is that saying at a larger discussion about how, um, how the state of Florida takes care of its people, how the U S takes care of its people, but then, you know, the other part that our show represents is an analysis of the media as it relates to news coverage. And, you know, something that we've seen that I think I, I think I may have sent over to you was a really just good tweet about the difference between local coverage and sometimes what happens when that local coverage gets brought to the national level and what's lost in translation, what's not properly um, accredited. There's a lot of layers to that, that, you know, the journalism nerd you and I sort of pay a lot of attention to. So, you know, this episode just is a special on a couple of levels. You know, I, I, I want to touch real quick because you, you mentioned about the layers. Um, and this is where Bianca is really going to fill in the blanks for us, because we talk about this all the time on the show. It's informational, educational. We want to learn more about the topic. It is a little personal to me. You know, I've, I've looked at that building specifically, you know, in the last couple of years because we were trying to move down to Florida. I mentioned I lived in the area, um, but the, the layers to it, the condo board management, 
not getting this stuff passed over time. You know, we, you and I don't know anything about that, right? You own a home. I live in an apartment building in the city. So it's a little bit different with these condo associations down in Florida. She can take us a little bit under that. The other thing is, is that, you know, uh, in 2018, I mentioned, and I alluded to this, that there was, I believe, a structure engineer who said, hey, this building, um, we, we need to do something about this because there are severe structural damages to the core of the building. Now, I don't know if his report actually stated that, you know, a collapse was inevitable, could happen, but this is something that she can help us with as, as somebody who's been doing some of these, you know, articles on, on the tragedy that really had happened. And, um, you know, some of the stories coming out of, of people near misses leaving, you know, obviously that building does have a lot of snowbirds that live in there, people that live up North and, and kind of travel down there for the winter. So, um, the, the search and rescue efforts continue as of this taping. Um, it's really a tragedy. 36 plus lives already lost. Um, our hearts go out to all the families and the victims. And after the break, Bianca is going to join us, really fill in the blanks and help us really understand and digest what happened in Surfside, Florida. Nick, today's episode is presented by Blinds.com. Apparently you've used Blinds.com. Yeah, no, in, my, in our previous house, we, we used them to, um, to get you know, just great blinds at a discounted price. Um, the quality was fantastic. They were easy enough to install because my wife and I actually did all the blinds set up in our home. You know, we did the first floor, then we ordered again, got the second floor, but nice. pricing was fantastic. Quality is fantastic. We didn't even take the blinds with us. You know, we had set them up really nicely. The person who bought our home, you know, shout out to us because they, she's walking into a great situation. You know, they were super effective with, you know, just darkening our rooms, you know, big thing for us is, you know, for us, uh, my wife also with, you know, the kind of hours she works as a, as a physician, you know, when she gets home, like middle of the day, like she's got to be sleeping in darkness and those blinds are able to do the job. So, so right now blinds.com, I mean, this is, this is a pretty crazy number and you already said that it was pretty affordable already on the site, but 35% off everything, Nick, 35% off everything. That's a lot, my friend. I wish I wish I had that at the time. <laughs> like I said, I mean, the I mean, the price we got was fantastic. But I mean, if you were to take that price again, fantastic, and lop thirty five percent off, yeah, man. Like we probably would have done. I would have found other rooms. Like we, just start throwing blinds everywhere. Yeah, of course we would have. Yeah. Well, That's whether you awesome. do it yourself, awesome whether you do it yourself, like Nick did, or have them handle the install from start to finish, Blind.com makes ordering custom window treatments online easy free shipping, and a 100% guaranteed perfect fit, Nicholas. Dude, you get to, you. it's easy. I did it. I am not handy at all. No, My he's wife not. A little more so than me, but we nailed it down. We kept our little one sleeping during during nap time. We did a whole floor in the house. It's I like mean, 12 that, windows. Come it's on. like, this is like a success story, you know, like being told <laughs> when you watch those infomercials and you're just like, yeah, this guy did it too. And it has real actor, real person, not a paid actor. So that, that's the Nick Severi story. Like We're like a sham wealth polo. <laughs> and like da, 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 da. Yeah. Blinds.com folks, you go to the link in our show notes page. You shop right now. You get up to 35% off. I said it three, five, you're going to get 35% off. That's my Jack Kennedy impression. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hit that, hit that link in our show notes page right now. Ahead to blinds.com offer good until August 8th. All right. Like we mentioned at the top, she's a fantastic reporter at the Miami Herald, the Nuevo Herald. And that is Bianca Ocasio, Bianca, Mike Leon, Nick Saveri. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. Thanks for inviting me. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, Bianca, we wanted to get into, obviously, the tragedy surrounding what happened in Surfside. Um, for our audience, you know, which may be not aware of the totality of the situation, what happened there, and I know you've been on the ground covering a lot of this. Can you give us, as of this taping, the latest news surrounding uh, the building collapse? Sure. So on June 24th, uh, which was about 13 days ago at this point, um, around 1.30 a.m., a 12-story building uh, just collapsed in Surfside, which is very close to Miami in Miami-Dade County. Um, and right now, uh, we are at 36 people uh, who've been found dead. And there's over 100 people who are still unaccounted for or missing. Uh, basically, this, this building just collapsing is really uh, still a mystery to a lot of experts and you know, obviously to officials. Um, it, it kind of, the way it collapsed was really as if you took a knife and just sliced a cake. I mean, you could see into apartments from the beach side. This was a, you know, beachfront condo, uh, building and, um, you could see bunk beds, you could see AC units kind of hanging from the concrete, uh, and there was part of the building that was still standing, uh, for, over a week, but it was demolished on Sunday night around 1030. Um, obviously, a lot of people did not get to go inside. Uh, residents who survived were not able to retrieve their possessions or anything because it was not deemed safe. Um, and of course, you know, it has been a grueling uh, search and rescue mission. Um, there's rescuers from, you know, all over Florida, from Israel, from Mexico, uh, people who, who know how to search in, in the rubble in these types of situations. And even they say, you know, this is the most complicated and, you know, just most difficult scene that we've ever been in. Um, just the way that it pancaked. I mean, you can really, especially in the first couple of days, you could really see one floor on top of the other. Um, and in the beginning, they were able to rescue a child and a mother um, but ever since then, they haven't really found survivors. Um, so, of course, a lot of families are, are really have been bracing for, uh, you know, terrible news, have been, you know, bracing for what is the long term going to look like when you've lost everything, even if you survived this tragedy. So um, so it's just been really, really difficult and really uh, heartbreaking um, to just see the way that everyone has been trying to pick up the pieces of what's left. Um, and so, you know, last week we had the first two children who were pulled from the rubble. They were ages four and 10, uh, and they were actually had their, their funeral today. Um, but it's just, you know, just, it, it's incomprehensible, really. I live actually about 10 blocks from, from the collapse. So, I'm always hearing sirens and ambulances and search and rescue uh, trucks going over. It, it, it's um, the rescuers have endured, you know, everything from ongoing fires to thunder. Right now we have tropical storm Elsa that's threatening Florida as well. They've had to stop uh, on and off for the past 24 hours because of lightning. Um, so, you know, it's just been a, a really slow uh 
rescue mission because of the uh, precariousness of the situation. Uh, but the demolition of the building was really uh, due to the fact that it was going to continue to be a threat uh, and going to continue to stall efforts because uh, even last weekend, people, uh, rescuers saw it shifting and engineers were saying, you know, this building is shifting. So we need to be really careful at, you know, how, how we're dealing with this. So. In your reporting, what, what are some things you've all been learning about? Um, Cause as you mentioned, like, you know, people, um, rescuers are coming in and seeing that just from a infrastructure standpoint, like this kind of collapse, there's no way to explain, it, or at least it really stands out from what these folks have seen in, in other places. For you and the team reporting, what have you all been learning as far as what led up to this? What more information has been gleaned over these past 13 days from when we started with, you know, a, a building collapse to getting more of a glimpse as to what may have led to it or what potential signs there were that there was some, um, that, that this was a problematic facility. So, you know, there's a lot of kind of uh, red flags here and there, especially uh, probably I think one of the biggest ones is a report that uh, an engineer uh, composed in 2018, where he documented some very, uh, you know, just concerning damage in the structure of the building and the way it was designed. So for example, under the pool deck, uh, there was a, a concrete slab that was built under it and it was supposed to have a kind of, uh, you know, ramps for the water that is accumulated could kind of drain, uh, but that was built basically all at the same level and it was all straight concrete and it just accumulated. Uh, for you know over time this building was 40 years old uh it was built in 1981 so you could see in the garage which was an underground uh parking garage the concrete and the columns had exposed rebar um there's an engineer that could see that uh the pool closet underground was also you know there was standing water it was always flooding uh some residents said you know that there were chronic leak problems in the building. Um, even, you know, the, the latest kind of uh, shocking video that we could see from before the collapse, just minutes before, um, a tourist kind of documented, uh, you know, rub pieces of concrete and just, you know, just a lot of water just draining into the garage. And, you know, she was recording and saying something is going on in this building, obviously. Um, but then it just, collapsed right after that. So quite frankly, we don't really know a lot about what caused this. We don't know exactly, uh, you know, whether it can happen again. I think that it has also created this sort of panic, right? And Mike, you, you're from Miami, so you know how much, you know, these buildings are part of the landscape in, uh, in the cityscape in Miami. So everybody's freaking out about, you know, what does my condo association know? What does the building department in my city know about my building? What have engineers said about it? I mean, it's really created a sort of uh, doubt and, and safety concerns about whether this can happen again, because we don't really know exactly what caused it. So yes, there were some red flags, but you know, there's still a, a big question about, was it one factor? Was it a combination of factors? Was it also you know, like maybe corrosion from salt water, uh, flooding? So it's, it's, I think, too early to really understand um, what, why this happened and 
what can be done to prevent it. Bianca, you fed right into the follow-up for that because you mentioned, yes, I am from the area. My wife is from the area. Um, even my father-in-law is a project manager in the area as well. Um, but I want you to take our audience really into why does it seem that a lot of the buildings in Miami Beach area specifically are older? They lack basic upkeep. We saw another building that was evacuated for precautionary reasons. Um, is it the condo review boards, is it the tenants don't want to pay? Like, take our audience into that because, you know, now that I live in New York, Nick lives in Pennsylvania where he records from. We don't have similar uh, type of, you know, um, bureaucracy, let's call it, um, at those levels that these condo boards have in Florida and have always had this stigma and association. So take our audience a little bit into that. So I think something maybe some people don't know about Miami-Dade is that there are you know, over 30 municipalities in the county of Miami-Dade. So even though Miami-Dade County is responsible for unincorporated parts of the county, you still have all of these, you know, the town of Surfside, you have you know, the, the city of North Miami Beach, you have all these towns and cities that are responsible really, they have their own building departments. Um, but of course, then you have the, the condo associations that also have a lot of power uh, about how, you know, repairs are made, how they're going to be paid for. Uh, you know, for example, what we know about the Champlain uh, Tower South is that there was a huge conflict in the condo association because they knew that this, this engineer had done a report in 2018 that said uh, there are some concerns about this building's uh, structure, foundational structure. So those costs have been estimated to cost from, uh, you know, 15, or I should say, those repairs were estimated to cost anywhere between 15 and $16 million. And that meant a lot of money for these, uh, you know, homeowners, condo owners. And, you know, Champlain Towers South uh, is, is in a, or was in a really uh, kind of area that was starting to be developed. There was a huge building that was built right next to it. Uh, you know, it was, it was kind of along uh, a, a short strip of beach that led up to Ball Harbor, which is, you know, a very wealthy part of, of Miami-Dade. So you had this area kind of being developed and this building that was built in 1980 was not really considered, you know, the most luxurious condo in that strip of beach. So it doesn't, you, we can't automatically assume that the people who, that own these homes were willing to, you know, uh, put in all this money to make sure that their building was, you know, repaired in the way that it needed to be repaired. So I think that that really led to a lot of conflicts as to what are we going to do with this report that we got. But of course, again, we don't know the level of alarm and urgency that the condo association had. We don't know if the town of Surfside had the urgency and an alarm to really push for these fixes to be made. And so Florida actually has some of the strictest, uh, you know, building standards in the country. And some of that in Miami-Dade County has to do with uh, after Hurricane Andrew in 1992, where some cities were completely leveled because of the way that some buildings were uh, were constructed and designed. So really after uh, Hurricane Andrew, a lot of those standards changed. And this building was back in 1981. So there's a lot of concerns about, 
about old buildings in Miami-Dade County and the types of standards that they had and, you know, whether there was shoddy construction and shoddy design uh, and what was being allowed to be done that we are now kind of seeing the effects of. So again, I mean, there's so much that we don't know. We don't know who knew, we don't know who is responsible, who is at fault, if anybody, um, and if something could have been done at any point and how that can be prevented for other buildings in the future. Shifting the lens politically for a moment, um, I believe the president had just recently been down there. Um, there was an exchange with Governor DeSantis, which people had uh, praised as being just very civil politics, not on the table. But this is really from a federal to a state level about support. Uh, what's been your read as far as um, just that conversation? And one thing I also noticed, too, was that there was some concerns from some of the um, just residents in the area. Like you're seeing politicians have access, just levels of access to the building around it that just ordinary citizens didn't. And that had been brought, that had been also raised as well, but just in terms of the political landscape, what's been, what, what's been the reporting that you've been seeing as far as what's going on there? I think that one of the things that has stand out to everybody is just um, the, there really has been a lot of bipartisanship in the response. I mean, seeing governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican, uh, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder, every day for, you know, almost two weeks with Daniela Levinkava, who's, you know, a, a Democrat in a, in a non-partisan post, but it's been very, um, it's been very interesting to see that they have been taking a lot of pride in that, you know, it doesn't matter what party you're from or, you know, what you belong to, we are just trying to get people the help that they need. Um, and so, we also saw that when President Joe Biden was here. And at one point uh, I was kind of in that, in that briefing meeting for, for a couple of minutes and uh, you know, the president was kind of talking about what he'd heard and what he had been briefed on. And he kind of you know, touched DeSantis for a second on his arm and said, you know, I know this has been hard for you. And then DeSantis kind of talks about you know, how the president has really understood the severity of this from the very beginning. There's been no bureaucracy, you know, there's been just complete transparency between all the different levels of government. And it was kind of interesting for me because I'm Puerto Rican and I actually covered the aftermath of Hurricane Maria and that was unimaginable. I mean, you never saw that level of cooperation during that disaster. And so for me, it had an impact certainly. Um, but, you know, I will say I have spoken to some volunteers and even some families who are uh, in the Family Assistance Center that has been set up. And they have expressed a lot of concern about the fact that, you know, there's kind of this parading uh, of politicians. Uh, some people who, you know, it's not even their district. It's not, you know, it's not their town. It's not their constituents. And they have kind of just been there, you know, just talking to families and, uh, even showing up at the press conferences sometimes. And, you know, that has kind of dwindled down as the days have passed, but it was definitely, you know, a trend and a pattern in the very beginning. Uh, you know, people who are up for re-election or <laughs> people who, who are running or, and are candidates for some type of office. So, you know, I think that's to be expected in, in uh, you know, things of this magnitude, unfortunately, but, but it has stood out to the families. You know, they're like, saying that they don't want politicians. What they want is fire officials. They want rescue uh, 
staff. They want, you know, who actually knows what's going on in that rubble. And they have asked several times if they can go see the the rubble. Can they go see the rescuers? Um, And they have been at least once. Uh, I don't know if they have gone again, but, you know, it's, it's very heartbreaking because a big part of the reason why these families want to go into the rubble is because they believe they know where their families are. They know which apartment they were in. They know which part of the rubble they must be in. Um, because this is really, uh, it's a desperate time for a lot of people, you know, even if there are no survivors, um, there are, you know, there's a lot of, uh, Orthodox Jewish, uh, people who lived in that building and they have, you know, certain, uh, concerns about the way the burial is going to take place and the timing of that. So, you know, there are rabbis there kind of, uh, consulting the rescuers about how that's going to take place. Um, but of course, you know, it's just what they want is the official information about what is going in the rubble and politicians for the most part don't have that. Um, so that's really what we've been heard. We, what we've been hearing. Um, I want to get into the the sister building um, because, and also what's next for people that, you know, made it out of the building. Uh, I've, we've seen some stories done on a national media level about people that have escaped uh, from the building moments before, but the people that live in the sister building, um, what can you tell us about, you know, are they evacuating that structure? I think there was early reporting on that they didn't have to leave, right? It was given an A-OK and now there's been recent concerns from Mayor uh, Levine Cava that she said that, you know, now, or the Surfside Mayor, excuse me, had said that there's concerns about, you know, whether or not they should return to that. So what's what's next for all of these displaced uh, residents of the of that tower? So, you know, the I think the Surfside Mayor Charles Burkett, he's made a, a really big point of of explaining that the sister building was built and designed by the same developer, by the same architect, you know, it is a a pretty much an exact copy of the one that collapsed. So they haven't done mandatory evacuations. They're not forcing people to leave. Uh, It's still, you know, kind of giving the option of people, uh, you know, once they're ready to, to leave the building, but you know, I, I can understand that a lot of people think, you know, that this is just an anomaly, that it's not possible for two buildings to collapse uh, in the same, you know, same block in the same month, uh, or, you know, people who, who really just don't uh, want to leave for whatever reason, they don't want to lose their belongings, they don't want to lose their things. So, so I think that uh, there, there are people who are still living there. Uh, but the mayor has kind of stepped up his um, his kind of warnings about it, saying, you know, I have major concerns and very serious concerns about this building because of what just happened. Um, so, you know, I think that that there is going to be a, a problem with the number of people who are going to be evacuated. So not just in the sister building, uh, but I mean, you know, in buildings that you know, where people don't necessarily have the resources to, you know, get a hotel room or just go somewhere else. Um, but their building has been deemed unsafe. So right now, uh, Miami-Dade Mayor Living Cava, she's been ordering inspections in, you know, in, in certain buildings throughout the county and in every municipality, they're responsible for their inspections. But, 
you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are going to be, you know, a lot of people who are going to have to evacuate uh, because it's already happened. We saw it in North Miami Beach and that has displaced, you know, hundreds of people. Uh, so I think that, that it is going to be a challenge. And I think that the county is kind of trying to figure out what is a long-term plan here. I mean, it shouldn't be a mass panic, right? I don't think anybody wants that, but it's also just a question of what, what are the warning signs? I mean, what is something that you have to take seriously enough to, to really consider that your building might collapse? You know, reflecting on the coverage for a moment, you know, for all, for the work you and everyone at the Herald have been doing, what are some things that are starting to feel like in the reporting that have been discovered, but are probably on the precipice for the next directions that this story is going to start to shift toward? I mean, I think that's a good question. I think that we're asking ourselves that because we have been trying to write a story for every single victim and missing person in this apartment building. Uh, we're trying to talk to, to as many survivors as we can. We're trying to pull as many records as we can on you know, who knew what, what was known, uh, you know, what inspection reports are out there. So I have to be honest, I think it, it, right now it feels very hard to think about what's next. Um, but I think, I think we need to think about, you know, the state of, of, of construction in Miami-Dade County. Uh, I think that there's been some theories about, you know, is sea level rise a factor in all of this? Um, you know, I, we've spoken to a lot of engineers who don't think so, but, but I don't know. I mean, is that, is that really a serious question that we need to be asking? So, and, and, you know, and also just the amount of people who might be displaced because of this new kind of discovery that has emerged from this very tragic event. Uh, and, you know, there's, there are so many people affected. I mean, the, the businesses that are in this area um, the streets have been blocked off for, you know, several days now and people who, you know, Surfside is kind of a sleepy town and there's kind of the kosher restaurants and, you know, like next to the synagogue and there's the Publix and it just, it, all of that has changed really. And I think also thinking about the identity of this town, uh, I think that, you know, there's a, an increasing awareness of we don't want Surfside to be known as the site of this tragedy. We don't want it to be the collapsed city. So, you know, I think that's also something for us to, to really explore. But um, right now is really thinking about why, why did this happen and what can be done to prevent it? Um, who is responsible and holding those people accountable? And, you know, what, are, what is going to be at the legislative level, what, what is going to change uh, if there is some, you know, reason to to think that there was some lack of oversight in some way. Obviously, it's the follow up to that the the emotional toll that that's going on for people who lost someone who are trying to find out. Unfortunately, if they have, um, obviously weighs heavily on the residents and and the community itself. But for but for you and the other reporters who've been doing who've been doing this work, that toll lives differently with you, but there is a weight there nonetheless. Uh, and we feel it just in this conversation today. How do you all just 
how are you all just surviving just emotionally? How do you all support one another? You know, one thing I want to shout you out for is, you know, the reporting has been very much a team effort. Like everyone just giving is just shouting out one another, retweeting. It's a lot of pieces that tell us like this is this can only be done. You know, when a team of journalists are are doing the hard work and and the most meaningful work. Like this is why this field is important and exists. But it's all a long way of me of saying, how are you all supporting one another? How are you all doing in, in the midst of in the midst of the tragedy that you have to be the storytellers, unfortunately, for? Yeah, I mean, I I agree that the toll is very different for us. So we're not, you know, directly impacted and you know, we're not on the rubble ourselves. Um, but I, I think that it has taken a toll because of how long it is taking to tell this story. Um, you know, the, the fact that we don't, we don't know the full extent because we don't actually know the accurate amount of people who are missing. I mean, the, the county doesn't know the, the accurate amount of people who are missing. They're still trying to kind of piece that together. And it is just unlike any tragedy that, that I myself have been a part of, um, I know, you know, some editors and, and more veteran reporters than me who have, you know, worked through, uh, you know, 9-11, who've worked through stories that are, that have taken very long to develop. Um, and it's, it's really devastating work, um, especially when it's this close to you. But I think that we're really just doing our best. We're, um, trying to think of ourselves as, you know, our role in this um, tragedy is to, yes, support our community through our storytelling, but it is also to take care of ourselves and, you know, to realize when you need to take a break, when it is that you cannot interview another family member, you cannot interview, you know, another, uh, another rescuer, who has seen so much uh, on the rubble. So I think recognizing that is really important and understanding that when you need to take a break, there will be somebody to step up and, and you know, pick up where you left off. And that has been something that has been really important for me to know that you know, I'm part of a team, that I don't have to carry all of this on my shoulders that we all kind of serve our purpose, but that we're here to kind of take over the other person when it kind of becomes too overwhelming for you. So, you know, the first couple of days I was very heavily um, with the families. I was at the family, what it, it was then called the Family Reunification Center. Uh, then it was called the Family Assistance Center. And that really took a toll because the families at one point thought that maybe their missing family members were maybe at a hospital, they were maybe rescued and taken somewhere. Uh, and they were showing their photos on TV, on you know, local national TV, hoping that somebody might've seen them. So at that point, there wasn't, there was so much shock with the families that we kind of wanted to, to also believe that there was hope to find uh, more survivors than they did. Um, and then I, I just, I, I got very overwhelmed over, you know, after two, three days of doing that. So I, you know, I asked my editor if I could please just go cover officials for one day uh, so that I could, you know, kind of 
recharge in some way. It's still very tragic and you can see kind of the, the toll it's taking on, on local officials. But, you know, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't really do my job effectively if I was going to, you know, talk to, to grieving families and, you know, they accommodated that for me and some of my colleagues took over. So we've really been trying to rotate duties as much as possible so that it's not one single person doing all that empathy work and all that trauma work, uh, you know, for several days at a time with no break. Bianca, you do fantastic work at the Miami Herald. You can check out all of Bianca's work online, follow her on social as well. Um, I can't believe um, what you just said there about some of the, some of the building uh, constructors don't think that the rising sea levels are not playing a factor. I, I just, I in Miami sometimes, um, but I'm going to let you go on that note because you do fantastic work, like I mentioned, and, and keep up the great fight. You and your colleagues uh, are, are heartfelt condolences to everybody suffering in the area. Bianco Ocasio, thank you for coming on the program today. Thank you for having me and for covering the story. All right. Like we mentioned, that was Bianca Ocasio. You can check out all of her work, all of her work, excuse me, at the Miami Herald, uh, MiamiHerald.com. Obviously, she's also at El Nuevo Herald, too. Um, boy, you know, I mean, I, I was reading one of her pieces today um, as of this taping, and it was really about uh, some of the families. Um, she mentioned it uh, during the, the podcast, but there's a large uh, contingent of Orthodox Jews that, that live in the area, that live mm -hmm. in the building specifically. Um, and one of her uh, stories was about one of these families, um, you know, and she mentioned it as well. Like the center used to be, you know, uh, a center where we're searching and rescuing so you can reunite. Now it's shifted in title. It's just such a tragic story. And then like we talked about too, the, the off air with her, the financial analysis of that building and maintaining it, the upkeep for it, right? Far outweighed the human analysis that was done. And it um, unfortunately led to loss of life. And it's so tragic. Uh, Nick, your, your takeaway from the conversation and, and what happened down in Surfside. Uh, first takeaway is seriously, if you can hear Mike and my voice, if you're a, um, you know, listener, we obviously are grateful, but seriously, subscribe to the Miami Herald, subscribe to local journalists. Yeah, it um, matters. It matters. It, it so matters, man. Like this kind of reporting. It, when Mike and I started this show, part of this conversation was like, like, how do you actually get back into a conversation about facts? You know, how do you get into a place to present ideas from an informed place and have an informed discussion? You know, we just talked to someone who's who's on the ground doing the meaningful work. Mike, you'll notice that in that entire conversation, whenever we whenever we've entered in, entered into a place where really we didn't have the information, Bianca was the first person to say, "Like I don't know that. We don't know that. You know, we're reporting what we what we do know, and that that in and of itself is the the spirit of journalism. It's the thing that I fell in love with you know, as a as a major in college. Um, I imagine it's part. I know it's what drove you to certainly." you know, talking to me about moving forward and, you know, building this amazing show. Um, they're just doing amazing work, man. Like seriously, like support local journalists. <laughs> like this is, this episode speaks to the importance of that. This kind of reporting is not going to be what's going to show up on the national airways. You know, and if it is, it's because of the work of people like Bianca. Um, at the same time, 
and thought she just was very open about what is the reality of, of doing this kind of reporting? Like, what is the actual emotional toll on you while it doesn't personally affect her and, you know, her colleagues, but there is a toll to doing this kind of work and it's important work, but that sits with her. And I thought she just was very open about, you know, how she's coping, yeah, how, how her team is rallying around her um, and how this is all feeding into a newspaper, just trying to do, do right by its citizens. Those are the things I'm sitting with right now. Yeah. You know, it's such a tough conversation. Obviously, you know, uh, we talked about this. I mentioned it before that I lived in the area. She lives in the area as well. Uh, she talked about that little area. So in Surfside, as it goes into Bar Harbor and Bar Harbors from 95th and Collins up, but down below up until about 79th and Collins from 95th is the town of Surfside. And Surfside really has like, you know, one main street that has, you know, a bunch of shops, a couple of restaurants there, you know, some are a chain, some are small owned. Um, and so it's, you know, it's a very small community, you know, everybody kind of knows everybody, at least in where I lived in my neighborhood, I knew the surrounding people. Um, so it, I'm sure the community is is struggling with this, especially when you see reports like ones that have come out from the Miami Herald about the 2018 report from the structural engineer really, you know, talking about the damage that that the building is 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 kind of under and, and what needs to be done to change it. And it fell on deaf ears. And then we get this. So it's it's a tragedy all around. Our hearts uh, and prayers really go out to everybody involved, the people that narrowly got out, the people that have been displaced from this, uh, you know, the other uh, people that live in the other uh, tower, the adjacent tower. Um, it's going to be something that will, you know, live in infamy, specifically in that area and that small knit community. So our hearts go out. Um, if there's any way you can donate support um, to some of the local charities that are working down there to help out some of the victims and the people that have been displaced, you know, uh, we, we encourage that to check that out. Um, I, I'm, I'm forever grateful to, to Bianca for coming on the program. I echo everything you said about local journalism. It's really been a lot of the Miami Herald pieces that I've been reading to try to keep up. You know, you want to kind of pick the town paper that that will give you the best sense of, of what's happening on the ground from the people that live there and report from there. So continue to support the work that she is doing and everyone at the Miami Herald. As for this show, you want to subscribe to the pod, YouTube, smash the subscribe button, please. Audio podcast platforms, you know them by now. Leave us a five-star review and comment. Hit the subscribe button. You want to become a Patreon member, you can listen to more bonus content from all of our episodes. Catch episode releases before they come out. Get some fan merchandise. Click on the show notes link, whatever podcast platform you're listening to us. Or even if you're on YouTube, you're watching us. Click on the Patreon link and become a subscriber today. It is just for the price of a cup of coffee and a bagel. Thank you, everybody, for watching, listening. We really appreciate it. As always, I'm Mike Leon. Grateful for local journalists. I'm Nick Saveri. Good night, everyone. Have a good one.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 